It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder mailbag episode, answering your questions about how the Thunder can get over the hump of their slow start to the season and really to first half. So what's the key to that for the Thunder game to game? Plus, looking at Josh Giddy's development and should Lou Dort come off the bench? All of that and more coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to dive into your mailbag questions concerning the Oklahoma City Thunder, like their slow starts, two games, uh, Josh Giddy's improvement, Alexei Pokashevsky, Lou Dort, everything you have, we're going to answer on this podcast brought to you by BetOnline, where the game starts, betonline.ag. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball on the Locked On Thunder podcast. Check out the Locked On NBA podcast for the national perspective of, of basketball and check out the Locked On Sports podcast for a nice way to start your day giving you the breakdown on every big story from around every sport to make your life easier and better as a sports fan, as well as our local experts pitching in on that as well. Now let's start the mailbag with Twitter questions. This one coming from at Clem Akufo. What can the Thunder do to get off to a better start in these games? I I think that the better start really comes from playing faster, which Mark talked about after the uh, Wolves game and after the uh, Nuggets game. Um, uh, the start of the season on the road also comes from having Shea and Giddy and Jalen Williams even because when you when you when you look at this team we have not seen enough healthy minutes of them to know if this is a true pattern or not or if this is just a product of circumstances because even losing Jalen Williams I know that he's a rookie but I think that he's going to make a huge impact in a positive way as a rookie which is very hard to do for rookies and I think that you've seen in preseason even where uh, you start slow and sluggish against, uh, I believe it was the 36ers or maybe it was uh, Maccabi, but uh, whichever one of those two teams it was, the, you, know, you start slow and then you put in, I think it was Maccabi actually, because so it's a Sunday game. You start slow and then you put in Jalen Williams off the bench and he just sparks the run offensively. He gets a big stop defensively. He brings that intensity and he gets you uh, you know, over the hump of the, like the seven-minute mark in the first quarter and now you're back uh, not only level, but you're now ahead in the game or, or you're now uh, kind of, 
drawing even and, and battling back with these NBA teams whenever you have a guy like Jalen Williams off your bench. So I think that he helps a lot whenever he returns. Obviously, Josh Giddy and SGA are the focal points of what you plan to do offensively, and we've seen them both be really good defensively this year as well and really improved on that end of the floor. So I think that the better starts conversation is tough to have right now because of the lack of, you know, the lack of game time that we've seen them. We've only seen them play four games and we've really seen them play none in the, in the grand scheme of things that where they're all playing together, even against um, Minnesota, whenever Jalen Williams got hurt, he played what five minutes, three minutes before he got hurt in that one. So like we have not seen this team at its full capacity to know for sure what their, what their trends are. But in general, I think that pushing the tempo and having Shea and Giddy will kind of eliminate those slow starts, so to say. Uh, but we'll see how it all progresses moving forward. From at the Meek Leak, is OKC worse than you expected preseason? What was your expectation for the first 11 games? And do you still think that we can get there as a team in OKC? Uh, this is a great question because I think that it is a good reminder to reset and not get so lost in the game-to-game flow. If you look back to where you were in the in the preseason and where your mind was for this schedule, remember we were talking about how tough it is and how grueling the first 11 games are. And I believe that if you were told the Thunder would go one and three in the first four, that'd be pretty exciting. So especially given the, the circumstances of no Chet, no Jalen Williams, no SGA, uh, you know, and of course those injuries happening in the first four games to still get a win out of the four is impressive enough as it is. Uh, but my expectation was, I, I said on the podcast, I think that they'll be favored in Vegas one time in this stretch and it'll be against Detroit or maybe twice and then be favored against Orlando as well. So at best, you're favored twice in these first 11 games. So I, I think that it's important to remember where we were just two weeks ago, even though it's easy to get caught up and be reactionary to these games that are happening before us. Just two weeks ago, it was, well, I hope that they can win two games out of this first 11. They've already got one, and they're going to get healthier. Josh and uh, Jalen Williams will not play on Thursday against the Clippers, but um, you know maybe they'll play Saturday, maybe they'll play Monday, whenever it is that they I – mean, I should say Tuesday – whenever it is that they play again – um, they're going to be back eventually in these first 11 games, you know, in the span of these 11 games to help better left this team. Plus you have Shea back, which is always uh, incredible. You have Trey Mann, who is a, a guy that can light it up, as we saw on, on Tuesday against the Clippers. I think that my expectations were two or three wins in the first 11 games, simply put, and that's not an indictment on the Thunder roster as much so as the schedule. The schedule you played – Obviously, three bad matchups right out of the gate. Two times against Minnesota, once against Denver. You didn't have an answer for the you know three-time MVP or two-time MVP, whatever he's up to now. Two times, obviously, for Jokic. You didn't have an answer for Cat and and Rudy Gobert in, in your first meeting with them as an undersized team. And then and then Anthony Edwards, of course, went for thirty points Sunday when you didn't have Shea and you didn't have uh, Giddy for a half of the basketball game. And then you got the break where Kawhi and Paul George don't play. And then Thursday, we'll see what happens from there, right? Maybe Paul George plays his questionable right now. I think he's going to play uh, on Thursday. But I think that the Thunder are pacing exactly as expected right now, given the circumstances of these injuries. So I think that it's important to, to look back in that context of what the expectations were just two weeks ago before we got caught up in all of this. At Clem Akufu again, what can the Thunder do to better contest three-point shots? I said it in the preseason that I'm not sure 
what the actual game plan is. Cause of course we're not in the locker rooms or getting the uh, scouting report, but it seems like they're very susceptible to corner threes. And so whoever's job that would be just to, to rotate in these circumstances, certain scenarios, it seems like they're just a tick slow in their rotations early on in the season, which is completely normal. I think that that'll get ironed out though. I think that as you get your players healthy, again, you're missing Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren, two of your better defenders. You're missing SGA and Josh Giddey, two improved defenders that are at least lengthy enough to go contest threes, right? Uh, they've been playing incredible defense so far this year, but that's a small sample size. And you know, let's kind of give that off to the side a little bit. Even if they weren't showing this great jump defensively, which they are, but even if they weren't, they're at least lengthy enough to go out there and contest a three in rotation and, and close out on three-point shooters. So you missed those two for significant portions of these first four games. So again, it's another question where I, I don't want to provide an indictment on the team over three games whenever there's pretty good context to the contrary right now for each setting. Uh, the next question comes from at MK3. What is your opinion on Mark Degnault saying that the team is building good habits and is, is that a sign of the team playing the right way night in and night out? Uh, yeah, I think that this team is playing good basketball. As I mentioned Sunday, Trey Mann goes 0 for 6, but that wasn't a bad 0 for 6. The, 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 he he created separation. He broke down his defender. He got space to shoot wide open threes that just missed. And they're probably going to go in most nights, if you had to guess, given Trey Mann's track record and his shooting ability. Stuff like that is, even though you lost three straight games to start the season, um, there were positive things to take away from it. And I think that the rotations that we're going to get into is also a sign of them building strong foundations and habits within the team and the construct of this team. We'll get into rotations. We're going to get into Lou Dort. We're going to get into Pokashevsky and so much more all coming up on the Lockdown Thunder podcast. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at LinkedIn, folks. LinkedIn is here for you 100% across the board. You're going to hire qualified candidates that are available. That's why that you check out the LinkedIn jobs right now and find uh, – the best qualified candidates for your job. You can have the hashtag we're hiring frame to your LinkedIn jobs post to help you find the better hires because they give you access to screening questions. They give you access to find the people with the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize those that you want to interview and hire and get the best qualified uh, kind of employees for your job that you want to hire for your small business. Small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering qualified hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you seek faster. Post your job right now for free. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. And LinkedIn gives you those screening questions that are really helpful um, to see how they respond to that dictates. Hey, I can see the resume. I can see the way they answer these screening questions. Are they a good fit to even consider an interview? Cause your time is very valuable. They also have different um, like skill-based tests that you can put them through that are really important tools to know. Like let's say that you're going to hire somebody for a job that requires audio editing and they don't know how to edit audio and you find that out in the skill-based training. That helps you a lot to skip over an unqualified candidate or if they just knock it out of the park, wow, you might kind of accelerate their application and accelerate their interview process and all that good stuff. So check it out today. Post your job for free by going to linkedin.com slash MBA. Go there right now at linkedin.com and hire easier at LinkedIn.
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Thunderpod. Let's go check out the Game to Game podcast after this one is over. Thank you so much for making Locked on Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. But the Game to Game podcast is out there for you to enjoy and for you to consume NBA basketball nationally in 15 minutes or less, a recap of every single game from the night before and the biggest storylines from those games. If they grab your attention, go check out the full lockdown episode regarding that team to get a broader understanding of the NBA nationally. Also, check out Locked On Sports today. It is incredible from the games that matter the most to you with the biggest storylines in sports that go beyond the scoreboard and beyond the and behind the scenes, even with local experts and insight only lockdown can provide with lockdown sports today, available on this app, YouTube podcasting apps, whatever you're using right now to get podcasts from. Check it out today, Locked On Sports Today. Now, I want to get back into your questions. At Hogsfan underscore 2001, is this the last year of the Poku experiment? It depends what you're asking, right? Do I think Alexei Pokashevsky will be on the team next year? Yes, I do. Um, do I think that he will be force-fed minutes next year and opportunities next year. Uh, I don't. I think that you're already seeing it this year. Like Even taking just this year as an example, he's not playing just 30 minutes a night if he doesn't deserve to. He's not closing out games if he doesn't deserve to. He didn't bring the physicality against Denver. The Thunder benched him in the second half. He didn't have it against Minnesota. Did not play uh, but 12, 13 minutes in that game even. The Thunder are in a better spot now with their roster where it's deeper with long-term investments. Before, whenever you'd roll the ball out there and no matter if Poku had it or didn't have it, you'd play him 30 minutes a night. Sure, you could have gone to a two-way player or somebody that you signed recently, but they didn't have that same lasting investment or return on investment that Pokushevsky does. And he still has that, and he's still worth prioritizing, and he's still worth developing, and he's still worth giving the opportunity. But I think that this is his shot. This is his shot that this year he has to make a lasting impression. And if he does that in a positive way, then next year he will be a, a staple of the rotation given certain matchups. Now, there's always going to be matchups I think that Poku just cannot uh, do well in and do well against. But there will be matchups where he plays 30 minutes a night uh, against certain teams and certain teams that are that – are, you know, kind of built a certain way or constructed a certain way roster-wise on the opposite end. But I think that this is the last year that you can justify giving him minutes before he's earned it. And you're even seeing that in this year they're not doing that yet. Like they, they have so far this year, and it's, again, small sample size, four games, injuries, whatever. So far this year, though, if he's not bringing that physicality, if he's not bringing his best stuff, he's not playing. I mean, the longest he's played was that opening night game where he was really good up until the very end. 
at the very end, you just, I mean, you, you played in the last three minutes. He just, you know, went over four, whatever. And you just, at the last three minutes, you can't take, take him out of the game. It's over with the game's done. But if he doesn't come out of the gates with the right tone and the right kind of ability, then he doesn't play. So again, if your question is about, does he start games next year? And does he play 30 minutes a night next year or 25 minutes a night or 20 minutes a night next year? I think that the answer is that it's totally dependent on what happens this year. If your question is, is he on the team next year? I think that he's on the team next year. Uh, as of right now, I would say that he's on the team next year for the Thunder. Uh, so depending on how you want to lean that way. At Giddy Stan, love the podcast. Thank you. Overall, do you think Giddy's development is in a good spot uh, for his age? Or is there more that he can work on to better his game? I think that Josh Giddy is progressing ahead of schedule, actually. Uh, and and I, I try to not sound like a homer here, but I believe that the defense has, came in, has come around a lot sooner. The, the, the defensive intensity and activity and mindset has shifted. Like you have not had to, you have not had to beat that into his head, right? You've not had to get on him and get on him and get on him about, about changing the way he looks at defense. One off season in the books and he's already playing as active as we've seen defensively. And he's already understanding that that's part of his role and part of his responsibility in the NBA to play for this organization. So that's been great. The shooting stuff has made a huge leap. Now, will that show up in the percentages? I don't know, and I don't really project it to. Like, I, If it does, it's great, but if it doesn't, it's not the end-all be-all. It has already shown up in a big way in not only the tweaks to his form that are very noticeable, like the feet you know, setting and how they and how they set after the shots were released and all that good stuff, but also in his comfortability shooting the ball, like his ability to step into a jump shot, his comfortability shooting while the guy's closing out on him and not freezing up. Like all those sort of things are already ahead of where he should be at this point, four games into his second season, quite frankly. So I think the Josh is actually ahead of schedule on that. The rim finishing, the ball handling, everything that you looked at from a year ago and said, this needs to improve to make him a better basketball player. He has improved at that to some degree. What was any of your grievances with Josh Giddy last year? If you name the defense, if you name the rim finishing, if you name picking his dribble too soon, if you name uh, his jump shot, all of those things to some degree have gotten a lot, you know, have gotten better in this second year through four games. So just on that alone, just there's no repeat problems and no repeat issues is a good sign that he's progressed quicker than expected or at the very worst, right on track for where he's supposed to be at. At 315 short fade, why are there so many lineup changes and why is Muscala getting so many minutes when uh, the Thunder are trying to develop the young draft picks? So, interesting question. I think that I think that there was someone on Twitter even the other day that was talking about Pokashevsky's minutes versus Mike Muscala's minutes, and I, I kind of broke that down for him. And they were saying, you know, why does Mike Muscala play 20-plus minutes a game? And, and to that point, he had never played 20 minutes a game, much less 20-plus minutes in a game for the Thunder this year. So, like, I think that a lot of that is just perception versus reality. Number one... Young draft picks, uh, Trey Mann still playing a ton. Josh Giddy missed a game due to injury, but when he's when he's healthy, he's playing a ton. Jeremiah Rompsonero is playing uh, a good amount considering the matchups that the, that the Thunder faced off with. And even looking at just rookies this year, rookies this year, shuts out for the season, takes away one of your picks. Uh, Jalen Williams is out since you know his five-minute mark of his NBA debut. Usman Jang has been get, getting run. He got a lot of run uh, these last couple of games for his standards and Williams out of Arkansas, we already knew would be a project type of player. And so then it, go, it falls back into your philosophy of throwing 
Jalen Williams of Arkansas, who is this kind of center that's a little bit undersized, but can play up in the NBA because of his ability uh, to be scrappy and to kind of position his body in a way for rebounds and boxing out and drawing charges and, and walling up at the rim, all that good stuff. When you look at it that way, when you break it down that way, they haven't had a chance to play Jalen Williams. He's been hurt. We all knew that Chet Holmgren's out for the year, so don't have a chance to play him. And then we all knew that Usman Jang and Jalen Williams from Arkansas, their minutes would be more projections, right? You know, they'd be more projects in the sense of they'd play with the blue a little bit. Maybe they maybe wouldn't get minutes out of the gate really fast. And in my opinion, Usman Jang is not really factor in here with the Mike Muscala conversation, but even he has gotten a lot of minutes and a lot of run. The only conversation that you have here is Muscala versus Jalen Williams. And it goes back to what I was saying before. Look, Mike Muscala can handle drop coverage against these bigs that you're fancying and Rudy Gobert and Carlton Towns and, uh, you know, Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic, I knew I was going to mess that up eventually one year, uh, one day this year. He can handle that a lot more than a rookie out of Arkansas, who whenever he did get minutes, played well, but of course, fouled, you know, got in foul trouble early. I mean, he played, I want to say seven minutes and got two fouls called on him, called on him in his NBA debut. Uh, that kind of stuff is, is kind of more monitoring him. And I think that the reason that's kind of perception versus reality is, when Mike Muscala is on the floor, he's making an impact. Like he's hitting those tough mid-range jumpers. He's uh, hitting threes. He's setting screens. He is playing drop coverage and hitting a block or, or being the beneficiary of SGA poking a ball out from behind and just being in the right place at the right time to get the ball and then throw up the uh, hit-ahead pass. Like he is doing a lot of stuff, so you're seeing him play a lot whenever the Thunder are doing good, like whenever they're going on a run or something. And then you you correlate that with, wow, he's on the floor a lot. When in reality, he's playing, you know, he's playing a normal amount. He's playing 12 minutes here, 15 minutes there. 18 minutes here, five minutes there. Like he's playing a normal amount. It's just kind of blown out of proportion given the circumstances. And we have to remember, it's a very, very long season. Now, as for so many lineups, this goes back to what I was talking about earlier. And the, and the aspect of so many lineups are getting played, that is a factor of a deep roster. I don't mean to sound offensive to any former Thunder players from the last two years, but you have more NBA players this year than you've ever had. Like, you have more NBA players that have an NBA future. Like, a legitimate NBA future that they'll be playing in this league for four, five, or six years from now. You're not playing guys that won't be in the league once the season's over with. Like, so you can afford to, if Poku doesn't bring that physicality, all right, let's try Baisley. All right, let's try Jeremy Martin All right, let's try Mike Muscala. All right, let's try, let, let's try Jalen Williams. Let's try these all these different guys. Your Rolodex is a lot longer, so you can... You can, you can Flip through those cards really easily and get these guys in there this year compared to years past. Because you're going from, you know, you're going from Poku to Jeremiah Rampasero, who you want to develop them both long-term instead of going from Poku to, you know, Moses Brown or something like that, right? Like Moses Brown, he's still hanging around and he bounced around from, you know, Portland, Oklahoma City, then to Dallas and then Cleveland and now he's in LA and I mean, like you're going to guys who you personally want to develop in your organization. You're giving Usman Jing a shot. Like you look up and down this roster, what players are you not interested in for the future? You can say Muscala is too old. You can say that Kenny Hustle doesn't really have room to develop, but past that, what players are you not interested in? Maybe you're not interested in uh, Eugenio Maruri. Maybe at, at most that list is three players that you're just not interested in. Other than that, the Thunder have these guys that, can, that they can cycle through. And even two of those three guys are proven NBA players. They are proven players who should and will play on an NBA floor for a good team. 
Like Muscala could play for a contender. Kenny Hustle could play for a contender. And one of the two you think can play for you once you get good again in Kenny Hustle. So that's kind of the reason for these for these lineup changes from first half to second half, from minute to minute, you know, because you have that luxury of we're not just gonna let a guy go out there and sink. If he's sinking, we're gonna throw him a life jacket and get a new guy in there to help him. You, you, you can do that now in this season, I believe, with this Thunder roster. Maybe that's totally wrong, but that's just kind of how I feel about the whole different lineup changes. We'll talk more about this, including Lou Dort coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Bet Online, folks. Bet Online is incredible. You can bet on every single NBA game, NFL game, MLB game. You can bet on the World Series, college football, college basketball. You can bet on it all at Bet Online. Go there right now to betonline.net. That's betonline.net. And check out the sport books. Personally, for me, I just like betting on the NBA. So I'm going to go to the NBA sport book and see that the Thursday game, the line is already out for Memphis and Sacramento. Memphis is a three and a half point favorite on the road in Sacramento. If you believe in the Kings and you believe in, you know, the cross country flight, might want to get in on that right now at Bet Online, folks, because Bet Online is where the game starts. Check them out today for the odds, news, and scores with your team, league, and everything else you need in terms of betting at betonline.net. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Thank you so much for making Locked On Thunder your first listen. Make sure you check out Locked On Sports as well. Now, the next question comes from at Chris Love. Should the Thunder fans be content with losing as many competitive games as possible? Uh, look, I think that the Thunder fans should be content with competitive games because we have to understand that young teams typically struggle to close out games. Young teams typically struggle to win historically in the NBA, and that might just be the nature of the beast. But if these guys are playing hard. If these guys are, are, are going down to the wire with tough competition as they have so far this season, then that should make you happy or content. I can't tell you how to fan. I can't tell you how to feel. And I don't want to do that. But in my opinion, yes, this season should be about playing competitive basketball, should be about developing these young players on this roster and letting the chips fall where they may. If you get more wins than expected and these young guys can actually close games and they, they buck the normal trend in the NBA, so be it all for that. But historically the trend is that, you know, young teams don't, don't win a lot of games, but that is no excuse not to be competitive, which I, think, which I think that the Thunder will be competitive this year. And so far, so good. At goggles underscore FTW1, if the Thunder end up with a second pick and the ability to draft Scoot Henderson, how strongly should they consider trading the pick since the Thunder already have several good guards? Would they consider moving on from Giddy, Dort, or Man to make room instead? I'm in the camp of, and we'll have plenty of discussion on this in the future. We'll have a draft expert on every single week. We'll do draft player profiles. We'll do mock drafts. We'll do big boards. So stay tuned to Locked on Thunder 
uh, anywhere you get podcasts from and on YouTube. For, you know, for the Scoot Henderson conversation, I get it. His name in the spreadsheet, you know, his position in the spreadsheet is a guard. To me, you don't worry about that. You take the best player available. You take the guy that can be a very high-profile star. Now, do I want to call Scoot generational? That feels a bit strong, generational does. But I do believe Scoot Henderson will be a multi-time uh, all-star, will be a multi-time all-NBA player, and has the chance to be one of the most marketable and one of the best players in this league. I believe that. You don't let the players that you already have deter you from taking that player because the players that you already have all seem to have the same mindset of let's make it work for the betterment of the team. And so you cross that bridge when you get there. If you get to a point where Josh Giddy, Shea, and Scoot Henderson couldn't theoretically work out, well, then let's address it at that point if you're Oklahoma City. The thing I will give credence to is the 2023 draft is loaded. Seven, eight names deep of guys that people believe can change a franchise, can be a top three player in a franchise. So a guy like Cam Whitmore, who I personally love, and I think that he is a perfect fit for Oklahoma City. I love Cam Whitmore. If you could swing a trade where you get Cam Whitmore plus two future first-round picks that are unprotected or whatever, like whatever craziness that you want to get into, that gives a stronger bid to Oklahoma City, who already has a boatload of picks, who already has, they think and hope, generational stars and Chet Holmgren and you know, a star in SGA who's playing at an all-NBA level in the short season so far, but much less an all-star level, uh, and Josh Giddy, who, of course, can progress into an all-star caliber of player, right? Whenever, whenever you've had that nucleus intact already, getting Cam Whitmore, getting a couple more first-round picks to replenish your stock, that would be worth, you know, kind of reviewing. But in my personal opinion, uh, you draft the you draft the guy like Scoot Henderson, you draft the guy like Victor Mignogna, and you make it work. I mean, for Victor... You just figure out how him and Shaq can work. Figure it out. You guys are both great. This team can be amazing. This team can be historically good. Figure it out. Sue Henderson, kind of the same conversation with him, Josh, and Shay. At Calabunga43, what's up with Ludort's poor shooting? It's early in the season. He's taking some quality shots. Sure, there's been some shots that you wish he would have passed up on. But in general, g- good decision-making in general, just not going in right now. We'll see. And then at Henry, should Lou Dort come off the bench? Actually, I think that he shouldn't because I think that Lou Dort's best role offensively and the best way to maximize him offensively is by putting with players who can take that offensive load off of him. If you put him with the bench, then it's even more pressure to overdo it offensively, and you get in the same boat you're in now, only maybe even heightened to a degree uh, that that, uh, he suffers offensively. Uh, So that is kind of where we are at with this team, and we are out of time on today's podcast. We'll have another podcast out with Stockwatch and more mailbag questions coming up for you later on. So stay tuned for that. Also, a recap of the Clippers game from Thursday on Thursday night, Friday morning, because we had to drive back from Oklahoma City to record that podcast. So check that out, Lockdown Thunder Podcast. And shout out to the fan that um, said hi and asked for a picture on Tuesday. If you're listening to the podcast, I appreciate you. If you see me at the games, I'll always say hi or take a picture, whatever you want to do, or just hang out and talk ball, especially. So uh, until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.